<laughs> All right, um, we are going to end service um, with worship and prayer. Um, and so we, we kind of shifted our service around. Uh, we wanted to start with the word and end with worship this week. Um, there is a lot going on, in, like I mentioned, in the country. There's a lot of fear and then a lot of questions about how the churches and churches are going to handle the situation and go forward. So um, I wanted to give a word today, um, but really just give us an opportunity to pray. Um, I This isn't the time to latch on to a preacher or a word. This is the time to latch on to Jesus. And this is the time to latch on to our provider and the person who's going to take care of us and the person who's been taking care of us up until this time and up until this moment. And so I want to share a few things with you today. And by a few things, I only have one verse. Why? (laughs) Why? What happened? Why did we do that? Can we just turn everything back on that is turned off? (laughs) I felt so good about it. Um... It was so anointed. Um, We can leave the pad on. It sounds really good. Aaron's so anointed with it. I don't want to take that from him. (laughs) Um, um, But there there is a whole ton going on. There's a lot of uh, fears and worries and doubts. And uh, I just, I want to talk about maybe a little short message for today. And we're calling it just fearless. Right. Um, We are not like the world in the sense that we don't have hope. And what's drastically important for a time like this is for Christians to walk in hope and be a light and not be another part of the problem with more fear and more doubts and more worry. Because, I mean, even if you looked at the uh, when Trump addressed everything, um, what he, what they said was at best eight weeks, and that's if we contain everything well. So eight more weeks of things being shut down at best, eight more weeks of people panicking and buying toilet paper to protect them from the coronavirus, um, eight more weeks of, of those things, and eight more weeks of, of panic and worry and fear, even if nothing else happens. Um, and I think that there is there's like two groups of people the people that says we shouldn't be afraid of all you at all you guys are dumb for being afraid and the other group that's like panic buying and freaking out and locking themselves out and honestly uh, just based off of just reading things like the CDC or it seems like the truth is in the middle uh, we should be careful but we shouldn't be terrified is what seems to be the general consensus and it's interesting because if I go to my Bible and if I read about Jesus and I read about his disciples and I read about how the church responded to tough times, uh, they didn't close in, they went out. And um, the reason why they went out is because they lived with a confident assurance that God would take care of them. I know the statistics, but when God enters the phrase, statistics really don't mean anything. And all that matters is what is God's will, what is his plan, and what will he allow come to pass in a time such as this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my personal life. Um, Growing up as a kid, um, I was, I grew up in the house and there were people in my family that was really involved in the occult and really involved in uh, really weird things. Um, I grew up seeing demons. I grew up seeing, you know, and I'm not like to freak people. I'm like, well, you believe in this stuff. I just, I grew up seeing really weird things. I grew up, um, just with very interesting circumstances in my life and and seeing things and just like as an adult 
looking back on them and going, wait, that's not normal. You know, I think we all have those things in our life that when we look back on them, we thought they were normal. And you know, you share with someone, oh, like when you were a kid and, and everyone's like, what? Like, like, no, no, that didn't happen when we were kids. What are you talking about? And it's like, oh, wait, when you were a kid, you didn't wake up and see a seance in the middle of your living room one time? That's not a thing we all did? Because I sure as heck experienced that. Um, and so, and so like, to find out that wasn't normal uh, was weirdly like a culture shock to me. I was like, what? Like, I thought we, grandparents are crazy. Um, and uh, turns out just mine are. Um, but I actually grew up with very extreme night terrors. I couldn't sleep at night. I was always afraid of things happening. I just, I have some very weird experiences, things I couldn't uh, quite explain, things that uh, just instilled fear in me. Um, and every night was a battle. Every night going to bed, I, I would cry and I would weep and I'd be terrified. And I turned the TV on because I couldn't sleep without light or noise. And it's funny, now I listen to like YouTube or something when I fall asleep. It's not because I'm afraid, it's because now it's like I can't sleep without noise because I grew up and like taught myself I need that. And so without noise, it's hard for me to sleep now. Um, but originally that started out of extreme fear. Uh, and then I also know that as a kid, I was diagnosed with a HPV, um, which I had um, uh, warts in my throat that were closing off. That's why my voice sounds funny. Uh, all the... the um, People like, your voice doesn't sound funny. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. A lot of surgeries in my throat, to 21 surgeries done in my throat. And I have a scar tissue that's wrapped around my vocal cords. And it's why my voice sounds manly. And um, <laughs> it's why I sound like a 12-year-old who smoked cigarettes his whole life. Um, and that's just not going anywhere. That's just what happened. And growing up when I, I, I had such a fear because my doctor told me, uh, he goes, by the age of 13, the warts will either lower into your lungs and you'll suffocate and die or you'll outgrow it. And I was like, I'm nine. Like, you know, and so like I had that fear my whole life that I was just going to drop one day and every surgery. I remember one time my throat actually closed up and they said that my breathing tube was the size of a pinhole and that the ambulance came and I turned all different kinds of colors, just the whole spectrum at one point or another. And they had to do surgery to reopen my throat up again. Um, and the doctor told me uh, that uh, I will much more likely to catch any sickness involving respiratory, any sickness involving the throat, so strep throat and stuff. Just funny because this is a respiratory disease and all my childhood things are like, that's still a thing you're more likely to catch than anyone else. Uh, and so I, I, the temptation is to worry or panic or fear and I, as a child I remember when I would go to school and then it would be like oh someone's sick today because they had strep throat and when I find out that a kid in my class had strep throat I'd always pretend I was sick so I wouldn't go into school because I was terrified of catching something and dying and it wasn't something I ever told my mom or my parents they had no idea but it was a fear that bound me and I made decisions based off of this fear and and I would avoid publicly speaking because I was so ashamed of my voice that came out and it's just so funny like sickness uh, fear of death the fear of speaking uh, these things all controlled my life and consumed me and um growing up I didn't believe in God I didn't believe in Jesus but something unique uh, happened for me that isn't that unique for a Christian but um, my dad had a necklace and it was a shield on it and on the back of the shield it would say be strong and courageous do not be terrified do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go 
And at night when I used to be terrified and I used to like cry myself to sleep, I would eventually buckle down. I, I, it's funny, I didn't believe in God, um, but God knew his call on my life. And so he was there for me in those times. You know, it's like, as charismatic as it sounds, I've always said, like, I didn't believe in God, but, but God believed in me, you know, and he was there for me and I would whisper and I'd be like, be strong and courageous. Cause I was a kid, I didn't know any better, but it, it gave me comfort. And what was so interesting was even for a, a child into a man who didn't believe in God and avoided him at all costs, his word gave me comfort. And it's because the word of God does not come back void. And the word of God does actually bring comfort to us. And and in times of these fear, what we need to do again is not to panic, is not to look to the world. Honestly, it's not even to look at what quote unquote wisdom is. It's to look to God and to let him guide us. It's to study his word and say, what do you say about fear, God? I have an answer for you. It's this perfect love casts out all fear. And that means that in this moment of fear, I'm not looking to the love of God or I'm not a aware of the love of God because if I was his love would cast this moment out but I'm terrified anyway and so I want to talk a little bit about what do we do when we're afraid and how can we be fearless Um, I think there's a lot of responsibility on us that if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior your job isn't to survive this Uh, your job is to spread the message uh, I, I think your, your job is to, to meet a virus with a more contagious one. I think your job is to, to spread something that's more infectious and it's the gospel and it's the truth and it's who God really is. And our church, just so you know, is going to be adamantly committed to helping those in need. We have no intentions of closing anytime soon. We have no intentions of not meeting. If the government puts a ban on these kind of social gatherings, which let's face it, we're under 100 people. So even if they ban it they probably won't ban us anyway uh but worst case scenario yeah yeah hashtag it's time to be a small church uh but even if uh even if that happened we would just start to live stream and we would have you guys to meet in your small groups and i would live stream into your small groups uh we have plans but just so you know we have no intentions of ceasing uh the things of the kingdom uh we actually think that this is more of a time to be alive um some of our events will be changing but not canceled with more of a bent towards how can we help you in need and not a bent towards how can we entertain you who are bored, all right? And so we want to be there. But I want to give a verse to you guys, and it's the verse that I I want us wholeheartedly to sit on, uh, to focus on. And in these times of uncertainty, know that it's time to break free. Uh, It's time to not view the world like we've always viewed the world and it's time to view the world from the lens that there is a God above all who knows all, who has a plan for you. I want to tell you something that might scare you, but I hope it actually encourages you. If God has ordained it and if God has decided that you won't survive this season, you won't even if you close yourself off. And if God has decided that you will survive this season, you will even if you go out. That our God knows the beginning and the end and he knows the plans and he has plans to prosper us, not plans to destroy us. And no weapon formed against us will surely prosper. But as Charles Spurgeon says that if I die instantly, that I'm in instant glory. And he's like, so I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I'm not worried. And if you look at the greats in scripture and if you look at the greats in history, if you look at the church people that were like, oh, I want to be like them. um, Those people, a lot of them, like Martin Luther, like Charles, they they were there in during plagues. 
They were there when people were dying. And Martin Luther has such a beautiful story that when the plague hit his city, him and his pregnant wife opened their house and took care of those in need. Again, I'm not advocating a lack of wisdom, but I am advocating extreme faith. I'm advocating trusting God the right way. And I'm advocating believing in him. Um, like I said, we have hand sanitizer all over because wash your hands. Don't be like, well, God's going to bless me. But if I don't wash my hands, just please. Why are you weird? Wash your hands. Like this is a great opportunity to learn a beautiful habit that many of us probably don't have. Uh, wash your hands. And God's going to use this for a great and beautiful work, right? Like I know the verse has been going around uh, from the Old Testament where God says, wash your hand, you sinners. And it's like, I mean, amen. Yes and amen. We're going to, let's do it. That's way out of context, but it's hilarious. Um, and, and I want to read this verse to you as we shift and it's going to be uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, for God, um, and notice this, the focus of this verse is going to be on God and His Spirit. So, for God, can you guys say for God? For God. Why are we alive today? For God. Why are we called? What are we called to do? Anything for God. Our lives, if you believe Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. My entire life is built on one foundation. It is all for God. And I think the reason people are fearful is because we still live our lives for us. And I look in the book of Acts and I see people who are unafraid of death, actually excited about it. But what can you do to threaten a dead man? These people were already dead. They were living for God. I think so many Christians say they believe in heaven, but they don't because we're afraid to go there. <laughs> don't, don't be. It's going to be way better than all of this. And I don't want to have this downer of like, oh, we're all going to die because I really don't think we will. I think the statistics show that we're going to be mostly fine. Um, but still, even if, if this is worse than we thought it was going to be, and if it goes in a direction we desperately hoped it wouldn't, we should still live every last breath we have for God. Um, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Many of your Bibles will say, and of a sound mind. And I went to the Greek because I didn't know if it was self-control or sound mind. And the Greek translates almost directly to either self-control or a sound mind. <laughs> so they're both right. Uh, basically, this Greek word means the power to control your mind and control your actions. It means to control how you act and how you think. And so they're both right because in truth, our minds should be sound in these times because the Bible's given us self-control. Um, I want to say one thing before I hit these three things because I desperately think when Paul wrote this to Timothy who was afraid, who had to take a church as his mentor died, who was young and who was inexperienced, which man, that'll freaking preach with my life, right? And I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Um, but I, I want to point something out before we go any deeper. There has been some bad theology in the church and uh, sometimes I think we let it slide because it's not a big deal. But in a season like this, it's 
vastly important that we understand it. And I want to shift a perspective if we have it for just a moment. When the Bible says we don't have a spirit of fear, most people, I think, picture a spirit that lands on them that is fearful. It's not biblical. It's not what Paul's talking about. See, what Paul is dealing with is the fact that you're filled with the spirit of God. And so when he says spirit, he's saying your inner man in this moment. He's saying, if you have fear in you, that's not from God. He's not saying there are fear spirits that are going to come and grab you. He's saying that if there's fear in your heart, know that God didn't give that to you. And that means, what's the first thing he says? of power. That means you can own that. That means you have control over that. That means you get to control and speak to that thing and it has to flee. But that thing isn't a spirit. That thing is my heart. That thing is in truth. I'm a fearful person because I know I'm going to die someday. I know I have responsibilities to take care of. I know that with all of this going on, I know all the wisdom of the world would tell me to hoard, to take care of myself, to watch and it builds a fear within me a fear for my family a fear for my finances a fear for this sickness affecting me and what the Bible says is not that that is a, the coronavirus spirit coming upon me but what Paul is saying is that fear that you feel it is not from God which means it has no right in your heart there's a story of a group of people going to a wedding That's not the story. They're avoiding the wedding. And the king finally gets mad. The king finally gets mad and kills the village. Which is awesome. And the, the theology is actually like there, but let's not talk about that right now. Um, and so the king says, just bring anyone in. Right? It's a parable Jesus told. Just bring anyone in. Anyone who wants to come. And then people are there celebrating. And it says the king walks up to a man and he says that at this wedding, it was his son's wedding. He goes, why aren't you dressed right? And the man in fear kind of panics and the king casts him out where there are weeping and fire and gnashing of teeth. It's a parable for getting sent to hell. Um, and, and what we see in that moment is this person's in the wedding, uh, but, but they're not dressed right. And if you really begin to look and study that in those day and age when people were invited, but they didn't have the money to pay for how you should look at that feast or that wedding. It was the king or whoever was over that. It was their responsibility to give you the coat or to give you what it took to look the part. And so basically, if you know this culture, what's happening in that story is the king is saying, I gave you, I gave this to you freely and you still didn't put it on. And so when Jesus says to put on the new creation, and by Jesus, I mean Paul. Paul says put on the new creation. I don't think he's the fourth member of the Trinity. I just misspoke. Um, where Paul says put on Christ, what he's saying is God gave you every freedom and every right. You need to put it on. And so what we see right here is you don't have a spirit of fear. And if that fear is inside of you, you're not wearing what God gave you. What did God give you? He gave you power, love, and he gave you self-control. And so I want to pause on each one of these three things really quick because I think the answer to fear is in power, love, and self-control because perfect love casts out all fear, but apparently power and self-control is also a part of it. And so let's just briefly, and I mean very briefly, talk about each one of those things. That word of power is, uh, what is it, is dunamis. Is that how we pronounce that? It means the power of an entire army. 
Uh, what's so beautiful about that is, is God is saying in this section of scripture, when he says, I filled you with power, he's saying, I filled you with the fullness of who I am. The Bible would translate it more correctly to the full army of heaven is inside of you. Your spirit carries the full power of God. Um, this isn't uh, what I think people like to use it to build this big ministry of uh, I'll sell you the coronavirus cure for a thousand dollars because people are getting arrested for that right now. It's actually kind of fantastic and I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, tell evangelists who don't really have the cure need to shut their mouths because there are people who really do have it and we're getting lumped together. Um, but there is power. There is dunamis as in all of us individually don't have a fraction of God. All of us individually have the fullness of God. And so when we come together in a churchness, a church setting, it's not the pieces of God finally coming together. It's the fullness of God expounding upon itself. It's almost like glory to glory to glory. It's power to power to power because one puts a thousand and two to 10,000, but three isn't easily broken. And as we come together, this fullness of God begins to connect everyone, right? And we have power. And too many people, it's like, why am I so afraid then if God has given me the ability to look away? And I ask, what are you looking at? Because you have the power to control this thing. It's actually biblical. When I used to, was a kid and I got diagnosed with ADHD, what they said was you couldn't control your mind, right? Oh, your mind, it's like someone else has the remote and you can't control your own mind. But you know what's interesting is once I found Jesus and started to pray, suddenly I could pray for hours on end. And people told me that's not possible. You have ADHD, you're not supposed to be able to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been filled with power. And this power even says to those things, no, I'm filled with a different spirit. I may have been born with ADHD, but apparently I wasn't born again with it. And so when I submit to the fullness of God and I look to him and I'm filled with that, that fear could actually subside and actually run away. We just have to get out of our emotions. Uh, Because I think it was Stephen Furtick who said that faith doesn't get rid of the situation. Faith just changes our focus. Right, And so faith doesn't make the coronavirus goes away. Faith just makes us look to Jesus and not to the coronavirus, right? And so when we are filled with the power of God, it's not that this situation isn't happening. It's not that we're dumb of like, oh, no, this isn't happening. It is. But the power of God says, no, but I have the full power within me. I am filled with the fullness of God to look to him with confidence and assurance to know that no matter how this goes, I win. Easier said than done, I know. But what I would encourage you to do is you not to do it and to let him do it. Amen? Amen. Love. That word for love is agape. I find it so interesting because I hear people preach the four different types of love, which for the record, um, I don't think is entirely studied out very well because it's not always the most biblical thing sometimes. Uh, But what we say for agape love is agape love is the love of God. Which means when people say that only God can love this way, if I'm filled with that, that means I'm called to love like God loves. And I think far too often we put this God love bubble and say, well, God loves like that, but I can't love like that. You are if you, you can if you're filled with the spirit of love. And here's where it gets personal. How did Jesus define love? No greater love than this, than to give up your life for your friends. 
And I want to ask genuinely, and again, with someone who's been guilty of this, for those of you who are hoarding, how are you giving up your life for your friends? How is that love? It's time to give. If you focused on the call God has for you in this season, you wouldn't have time to focus on the virus of the season. And we like to use this kind of season to put our calling on hold and say, well, it's not wise to do this, but God filled me with something deeper and he filled me with something bigger. With that being said, uh, I've talked to some of the leaders and those of you who are at this church and I hope people listen to the podcast um, and we're gonna post this too. Um, if you are maybe potentially more likely to catch this, um, uh, us younger folks, are willing in the next few weeks to go buy groceries for you. We're willing to go and bring things to your house, uh, whatever it is that you need. Uh, there's a large group of us that have come together. Uh, if you wanna reach out to me or Pastor John, because he's the family pastor, he's gonna make it happen. Um, and, and whatever it is that you guys need, our church is here for you. Uh, which for the record, I know this may sound kind of crazy, but it's why now, not to plug for myself, but I'm gonna have to, now tithing is more important than ever. Uh, where in these times it's the kind to save in quote unquote wisdom, but, but people need help and the church is gonna have to shell out for it. And so we're gonna need you in love to put those people first, maybe to sacrifice some of the amenities and some of the little things we do that if you really added it all up as hundreds of dollars a month, the things you don't need to do and put them off the side in a jar. Maybe, uh, just maybe a Starbucks is gonna actually be okay. <laughs> Uh, and they're gonna survive this, <laughs> but some people might not, amen. Uh, and so um, just being led, obviously, I don't wanna coerce you, but I think if we define love biblically and if we're really filled with God, it's not really a sacrifice, it's an honor. And it's that kind of love. Listen, when the life gets the hardest, there are two things people should always buckle down on, their prayer life and their calling. Because if I'm called to be a pastor and this is going on, then I'm called to pastor through it. And if I'm called to be an evangelist and this is going on, then I'm called to evangelize during it. And if I'm called to be a deacon, then it's my job to, to clean it. <laughs> I love the deacons. They're like, here, scrubbing the coronavirus out of the building. Um, just doing the work. We're keeping this place clean because we love y'all. Um, but if my calling is, well, God's called me to be a big businessman, but this doesn't seem like the right time. Maybe it is. What is God calling you to do? Uh, who, who are you before him? Because that doesn't go on pause because life gets rough. Usually God lets these kind of seasons put a magnifying glass on that calling. And in the words of Isaiah, when God's looking around and saying, who can I send? Here I am, send me. Central Christian Church stayed open. They said they're not closing any of their normal gatherings and get-togethers, which is crazy because it's easy for me to say in a group of 60, but if I had several thousands, I'd be a little more like, oh my God, what do we do when Judd Wilhite comes out? And I'm, I'm, I am so blessed by him right now and says right now more than ever, this world needs a light. And so our church will be that. And what he says is you don't have to come. There is no conviction to come. But if you need something, we're here. And that is the attitude that our church will be taking um, as leaders. But I think that the definition of a leader and a parishioner 
it's just kind of a worldly thing we do so we can understand better. Really, biblically, we're all children of God and we all have the same mandate on our lives. And it's that, that quote from David Livingston that has always rocked my heart. He has said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, then why is a commission from a heavenly king considered a sacrifice? If the greatest hero in your life asked you to do something, you would feel so honored. But the savior of your life calls you to do something, you go, I guess I'll sacrifice that for you. It's not a sacrifice. It is a beautiful moment where my God has honored me and allowed me to be a pastor during this season. I'll tell you the first thing that came up in my mind when this happened, I have been a lead pastor for six months. Of course, it's time for the coronavirus, right? Like that is initially my thoughts. It's like, I grew up in churches. I watched these leaders. I, I watched crunch times. I was there during recessions. I watched how these people handled things. And I'm like, cool, I'm ready for so much because I was under great men and women of God during these times. And then it's like the one thing I wasn't prepared for, right? And then God, but it's what I hear. It's what I hear from God is, but I called you for a time such as this. And I don't think our small church needs to fade into obscurity during this time. I think it's time for our small church to be louder than it ever has been before because people are in need and churches are closing and it's no disrespect to them but we'll answer what they're saying no to then and that's okay and lastly in self-control or a sound mind <laughs> really be honest with yourself has your mind been sound these past few weeks for most of us the answer is no and the counter I have for you is that you don't know what you're filled with. And that's not an admonishment of like, <laughs> there was a fuzz, I got it perfectly in my throat, fantastic. <laughs> or it was the coronavirus. Um, one or the other. Um, it is kind of hot up here, right? Um, what was I even saying? Oh my God, I don't have ADHD, God changed that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, if <laughs> you've been feeling that kind of fear uh, this last month or so, um, God has filled us with a different spirit. Um, it's not something far away. It's something in you. It's not because of you, but it's in you. It's not by you, but it's in you. At best, it's through you. That I think there is genuinely something each one of us are called to do in this time, in this season. Our church is going out of its way to try to get supplies. So when things get bad, we can help out. Like I said, communicate. Um, we're going to attempt at best to do things free of charge. It is much more godly. <laughs> um, and I, again, if I have to go to heaven before God because <laughs> I gave too much, that's a good day. It's not a bad way to go before God. Um, my wife and I made it a point to stock up too because we just read the signs and we were like, this is going to get bad. And so we stocked up because we knew this was going to come where people couldn't do things. And we're going to be like, yeah, so we're here to help whatever you need uh, because we are not afraid. We are not worried. But if you are, get prayer about it and let God highlight to you what is already inside of you, which is his spirit. Your healer is inside of you. 
Listen to me. If you die of a sickness, that means your healer wanted you with him. And as Christians, I, I thought the whole point was that's where I want to be. I'll hear people preach like, oh, I'm excited to go to heaven, but I want to stay a few more years. And I'm like, I don't think you get how awesome it's going to be. I don't think you get how awesome being in the presence of God is. Because when I get alone with God and, and God begins to quell the worries of my heart, and he begins to put my soul at ease. And I finally find that peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's so unrealistic and it's so unfathomable. And that moment is something that is some of the most beautiful times in my life. It's like, is this how it's always going to be when I'm with him? Always this content and always this satisfied and always this happy and always this full. And some people don't even know what I'm talking about. And it's because we don't take that free thing where we have the coat in our hands, but we just haven't quite put it on yet. I want to encourage you to wear it. Put on God. Let him fill you from the inside out. This is not a season of fear. Like I said, our church will still be meeting. Reach out if you need something. DM the church um, on Facebook or Instagram, and the leaders will get back to you. Um, call Pastor John. Uh, just make your needs known. And more importantly, like I said, make sure you're giving. Listen, these times really show us what we believe about God. And maybe some people have needs and you're the answer for it. And I'm looking forward to that. I told the leaders today, this, this next few months are going to show me who really are leaders and who's not. Who really is submitted to God and who's still looking to themselves. Don't be like the rich young ruler who left because he had much and couldn't give it up. Be like Zacchaeus who gave up everything in the name of a greater calling. Amen. I love you guys. I'm going to pray for you. Christina, did I forget to say anything about our announcements? Nope. Perfect. Um, like I said, all of our events are still going to be going, uh, but keep an eye out because they might change. We still want to do the Easter thing, uh, but we might be shifting a little bit away from fun and more towards filling the needs of the families that come from our neighborhood. Right? So we're not quite sure yet how it's going to look, but it is still going to happen unless God parts the heavens and says we can't or the government shows up and says, yeah, you, you can't do this or you're going to jail. And I'm like, about to start a prison ministry. I'm just kidding. Um, Eric Willis will start the prison ministry. It was all his idea. Um, <laughs> outreach, it's a great ministry. You guys should sign up. Um, President Trump did something and whether you like him or not, I always try to stay um, apolitical in times like this. Um, you know, unless it's like directly a Bible thing, right? Like then I'm a very political. Uh, but in times like this, like whether you love Trump or hate him, it's fine. Um, I personally don't care. Um, but if you're a Christian, the idea of a president coming up and saying, everyone, will you please pray today? That is something we cannot ignore. And if you're a Christian, you'll recognize that as something beautiful, right? That publicly, our God is being put on blast and people are asking. 
And so maybe if people are now looking at what the church is going to do, this is an excellent opportunity because eyes are turning on to us. And so for the rest of church, we're going to say yes to what President Trump asked. We're going to shift back into worship and we're going to pray as a body. I definitely talked longer than 15 minutes, but we all knew I would. 40 minutes? Oh, I, no, I didn't take the bet. But I was bet that I couldn't do it. I tried. But then like I started getting in the groove and God was moving and it's like, amen. Um, but we're going to pray. We're going to run this like intercessory prayer. So much so that I'm going to have Jesse take over the rest of service. She runs our intercessory team. Um, give a shout for Jesse. Uh, if you are afraid, if you have worries or doubts or fears, go get prayer during this time. The worship team's going to worship. The lights are going to go down. And we're going to pray for what is like 40 minutes. And I know, oh my God, 40 minutes. Um, but do this. You'll find that when you pray, things actually change. But when you worry all week and come and hear a message and then continue to worry, nothing's going to change. And I've never wanted to be the church. Because again, you don't ever look at the Bible and see like how we run church. Oh, this is how you're supposed to run church. Uh, there weren't rules. It was just glorify God. Um, and so, you know, I've always tried to keep the sermon and all that stuff because I know people expect it. But in times like this, I just don't think it's half as important as praying together. Uh, but remembering the word uh, is important too, that uh, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. There's no fear in me. What's in me is God and God carries power he carries love and he carries self-control um, Jesse may ask some of you to come up and pray um, you don't have to but you should if you don't feel comfortable well, at least pray in the room and we're going to pray united and together uh, something so unique and interesting is happening so many church churches compete with each other for numbers but right now, every church in the nation that's meeting is all meeting with one agenda. We're all talking about the same thing this week and we're all praying about the same thing this week. This is such a beautiful moment that across this nation and across this world, we can confidently know that all of our brothers and sisters in Christ are united and praying against and for the exact same thing. And we should not take that for granted. And we should join in with that and say yes and say amen as we pray for our nation, as we pray for our world, as we pray for individuals, and as we look for opportunities to share the gospel and help those in need over this next few weeks. Amen. This is part of our series of three pillars because if your relationship with God is genuine and close-knit, you will always be fearless. Amen. I'm going to end with a quote as Jesse comes up. Um, there is a band called For Today. They scream at people. Um, Maddie Montgomery, the lead singer, started a church now. But back when he was young and screaming at people, he, uh, he wrote a song called Fearless. And if anyone's paying attention, you'll notice I stole the name of his song. 
unashamedly. And I want to read you some of the lyrics. Too bad Taylor Swift also wrote a song called Fearless, so I had to like shift past that real quick. Um, which, you know, pray for Taylor Swift. Um, uh, we bear the mark of the uncreated God, so what should we fear? Look to the scars of the holy risen sun, so what should we fear? Every threat is hollow because our victory is already set in stone. We are the fearless. Amen. Amen.